Um, it's Loathsome Things, our movie podcast with your hostess, Josh and John. I am Josh. This is John. Howdy, folks. Hey, and today we are bringing you a delightful piece of goodness from the other side of the equator. That's right. Not Australia, though. No. Not New Zealand. Mm-mm. Not South Africa. None nope. of the primarily white English-speaking places that one would normally see horror movies from. No, Mm-mm. we went down not to Portugal. No, nope. that's somewhere else. Nope. In the Northern Hemisphere. <laughs> but a little place that Portugal likes to call Prahil. Prahil. <laughs> yeah. Brahim, I believe is how it's pronounced. Yeah, that's correct. In Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> John, what is this Brazilian gem that we're bringing forth today? And how many is a Brazilian? <laughs> this movie has gained the, the director and lead actor and writer of Brazilian fans across the globe. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Oh he my has god. Made many Brazilian dollars. <laughs> he, he is the the movie is called it's 1964's At Midnight I'll Take Your Soul by the the famous uh infamous now Brazilian horror director the first Brazilian horror director uh José Mujica Marins. Oh, is that how it goes? Yes. And Okay. He's known there as kind of his nickname is Zay de, de Caixon, which means okay. Zay is short for José. And Caixon is coffin. So Joe of the coffin, basically. Coffin Joe. Oh, very cool. I didn't I didn't know any of those pronunciations. I always forget that Portuguese is like Spanish, but with a bunch of French in it. French and Italian. Yeah, there's a lot of Italian yeah. inflection in the way they pronounce things. Um Yes, he's from. He was from São Paulo, and uh, he was a big horror fan growing up, and and you know wanted to make horror movies, and and so he decided that he was going to be the guy, and so he started. He started, you know, the whole horror movie world for Brazil, and at the time, he was able to. There, there was no real censorship board, so he was able to pretty much do you know what he considered to be as as transgressive as he you know could possibly be. He kind of got there. He got there. I mean, for, yeah. for, you know, even now there's uncomfortable subject matter, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it's dated, but at the same time, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty edgy. It's timely and lively. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, it would be pushing boundaries if this came out today. Yeah, for sure. Of course, you know, people have changed in their opinions of some of this stuff. This yes. is very, this is definitely a trigger warning. Yeah. I would describe this as a kind of a meditation on faith and the lack thereof and the place of Catholicism, which was a, was the, the major religion in Brazil at the time. Um, now, the evangelical faith has kind of taken over there. Of course, well, I didn't know that. Yeah, Catholicism is still the big one. And then there's the, all the native, there's Umbanda, there's Kimbanda, there's uh, Candomblé, which are all kind of folk, sort of like 
like we think of like voodoo or vodun or whatever it's it's their mix of african and native folk traditions but that stuff has always been very popular there like like really popular i mean there's like millions of followers and stuff uh so spiritualism is a big thing there they you know like the séances and the meditation like you know speaking to the to the dead and so that's that's always been very popular there even long after it went out of style in the what early 1900s in in Europe it it made its way over to Brazil and stuck and it's it's still there so this is just kind of a kind of his attempt to you know create this character that's basically built on disbelief you know and in, in in a in a place where you know religion was just kind of a given you know, at that time specifically you were you were catholic that's it no more talking about it <laughs> i don't know i couldn't find when it filmed like when he was actually shooting the movie but it came out it, at the end of 1964 and i was i was reading about i was like hey you know what i don't know shit about brazilian history so i read a little bit about brazilian history in 1964 and oh oh god <laughs> It's uh, the year of a uh, military coup that overthrew the government and instituted a totalitarian regime that just didn't stop for like the next 20 years. Yeah. And so like I, I was reading about it. I even found a, an essay that a guy, I think he just read all of the same Wikipedia articles and IMDb trivia that I did and then wrote an article about it. But it doesn't seem like coffin joe as he's known in america it doesn't seem like he necessarily portrays any one faction of of that 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 tumult that horrible nonsense um he's just kind of like this this mega villain that people on either side of all of those conflicts could identify as the villain and like pour a bunch of either their self into or pour all of their vehemence against a, a enemy into and and that's part like he like really like just sucked it all up he wasn't trying to be like i represent the military dictatorship he was just like all of the bad energy that people had at that time rolled up into one character it's pretty fucking awesome whenever you dig into what's going on there yeah, there's a lot going on, although for all I know, he might have filmed this before that. But I would still imagine that before you have a, a military overthrow of the government, there is probably some sentiment that existed before it happened. <laughs> a little unrest. He and the version that the version that I watched had a like a a little pre scene that was shot in color with him from like maybe the early 2000s or whatever, 1990s or something. It's like him with these sexy ladies. And yeah, he's got, he's always, know, <laughs> always the sexy ladies. Yeah. And he's talking and, and, you know, kind of giving this little introduction. It wasn't subtitled. So, you know, I, I knew some of what he was saying, but, but not a whole lot, but he did mention 1963. So I'm mm -hmm. guessing he shot it in 63. Okay. So, so before the overthrow, but, probably during some existing unrest and displeasure. Yeah. This movie is part of a trilogy, the the second part of the trilogy. I forget when that one was made. Two, uh, oh, sorry, 1967. 67, that's, that's right. So he was still he was still able to, you know, kind of do his thing as late as, as 66, 67. But then after that, the dictatorship really clamped down. They had censorship boards and what, you know, what you were and weren't allowed to show. <laughs> 
or or release, it became very, you know, his movies were only shown in like the porn theaters and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and only in certain states. the The government left it up to the states to decide what, you know, like Sao Paulo is a state, and you know, there's several major regions, I guess we would call them, but the, you know, there's states and. Uh, the states were allowed to kind of decide. So I guess in Sao Paulo, his, his movies were allowed to be shown, but they would only be shown as like porn movies or whatever. Boy, how sexy. Oh, man. <laughs> Just really getting to see like the gums in between his teeth all up in there. Oh, and the, the dictatorship fell in what, like 85, 86? Uh, 80 history. Yeah, 80, something like that. Yeah. So, you know, at some point, and again, I forget the exact date of when he made the third film in the trilogy, but 2008, 2008, the third film in the trilogy is it's uh, it's something else. It's uh, it's in color. It is, you know, much more contemporary and feel, but also kind of contains some of that or retains some of that weird charm that he has kind of created all by himself in the first film, first two films. Um, you know, it's, I like the other ones better, I think, just because they they seem to just create a world all of their own. Although I guess you could say that about the third one as well. But um, <laughs> but it is cool to think that the guy waited, you know, like <laughs> like basically 40, 50 years to, to, to yeah. finish his trilogy, which yeah, I think... that's crazy. Yeah, I think he even beats Argento for the... Uh, trilogy length record definitely beats george lucas george lucas like all right and now another trilogy not as long later yes <laughs> yes yeah coffin joe doing it broadly yeah that's right and then one little side thing i guess i would mention that or it's probably not even that little but uh i may have mentioned this on the show before but my wife is from brazil and brazil. Uh, she's the one who turned me on to him and uh <laughs> one of her great stories is that she was traveling with a friend of hers in, I guess it was like a suburb of Sao Paulo. She's from Sao Paulo. And they went to this area that was about an hour, an hour and a half away. And there was a party and he was going to be the host of this, you know, event or party or whatever. Cool. And so, you know, as you do when you're a teenager, they got super high and dropped acid and went to the event. <laughs> and <laughs> Coffin Joe had a, a, a giveaway, like a contest, whoever could spend however long it was inside his coffin would win the coffin. And so my wife won the coffin yeah. <laughs> and they couldn't take it home with them because they had to ride the bus home. So they left it with someone. Oh my God. <laughs> but as she says, he had a tremendous amount of what they call babinha, which oh. in his case is that white crap in the corner of your mouth. Oh, that like weird foamy residue that you get in the cracks of your mouth. Like when you don't stop to swallow spit while you're yes. talking. Oh, no. Where it like whips itself up into like a, like a meringue. <laughs> when you said what they call Bobinho, I was like, oh, it's going to be like big dick energy or something. And then it was just no, so, so much worse. <laughs> and and that he had the worst as what she, what she called, what they call buffon, which is bad breath. The worst buffon she'd ever smelled in her life. Wow. Oh my god. He does he does have like like cat piss man energy, you know, like the uh the gross guy at the uh 
tabletop minis store. He's got that kind of energy. Like I, I like these were his clothes that he was wearing as his costume. He right. just like added a hat. Like I feel like this guy was already there. He's like, oh yeah, this is good. Everyone likes me. I've already got my thumbnails grown completely out. And apparently they got like plastic nails for the rest of his fingers, which he ultimately yeah. ended up growing out in time. Yeah, yeah, but those the the thumbs are real. Everything else is apparently uh <sighs> prosthetic. That yeah, he was the kind I, I I feel like this guy. So there was an original actor that was going to be playing the coffin Joe character, and then he left. I feel like he was always supposed to leave because then the director was like, haha, well, I will do it. I've already got the thumbnails. <laughs> and then he just gets on there and just basically only has the camera pointed at him ever. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> It's like it's like that Jeopardy guy that's like, we're going to be trying out different Jeopardy hosts. Uh, it's me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's like when Putin holds an election, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Either I win or we change the Constitution. It's great. <laughs> I like that this dude. So he's he's known as Brazil's national boogeyman. He's referred to as kind of like the Freddy Krueger of Brazil. I would say based on what else he did, he also hosted a like daytime talk show where he mm -hmm. like they talked about Brazilian media and culture with musicians and actors and all kinds of cool people. And then he also had two different Twilight Zone style anthology series where one where it was all like written by this one guy and then another one where they would just do whatever and sometimes have fans submit spooky stories that the the cast and crew would then adapt for the episode which is awesome so i so would cool. like to put forward that he's more of like brazil's elvira yeah but yeah, yeah. instead that, that of works. huge boobs it's gappy teeth yeah and, and foamy mouth <laughs> foamy mouth just just hat bigger than head it's great <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> so i have i have a snapshot of of my wife in the coffin clearly bent um, yeah, uh, and, and he's standing next to her with his nails all, eh, and, and we'll, <laughs> we'll post that on the social media. Yes. Yes. So look for that out there while you're listening to this. That's, it's a really great shot too. <laughs> it is. It's hilarious. <laughs> she's trying to just be in the coffin, but it's like, ah, <laughs> you can tell she's just like, I'm tripping very hard. <laughs> this is probably not real. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm so sad that she doesn't still have the coffin because oh. that is so cool. Like Wouldn't you could always you no matter where you live, it's a a decoration that you can have in the living room. <laughs> oh man, I know it's sad. Oh. Well, you know, we have the photo. Yeah, the photo works. Uh <laughs> so so Mo uh this guy, I'm going to call him Coffin Joe because I'm not good at the nunciations. Uh, apparently part of this is um, he sold his house and car to fund making this movie because at a certain point he like ran out of the other money. That's crazy. So he was, he was super into it. And a big part of the reason he was super into it is that his family operated a movie theater and they lived up in like the the top level of it. So they're like the Belchers from Bob's Burgers, but instead of burgers, it was a movie theater. <laughs> um, 
And he, so he grew up watching all of the like great horror movies coming into Brazil that his family would play. And he decided that he wanted to like pour everything that he loved into this. And boy, did he ever. Yeah, he packed it in there. Oh man. So, so it's kind of a, it's kind of, you know, like a, a Southern Gothic, I guess just Gothic, right? Cause you've got like his creepy house which his his house is so good the the interior decor is mostly just like hands sticking out of walls <laughs> and he's supposed to be an undertaker and like this is like his home slash office <laughs> yeah yeah he, he it's like he's the he's the local nobility but instead of being a noble he's the undertaker it's, yeah. it's awesome he goes around he's the fanciest dressed he's the richest guy in town Everyone hates him. He treats everyone like shit. It is just great. It's wonderful. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> he is a terrible, terrible man. Just the worst. <laughs> and at first, you, you're you like, oh, this guy kind of sucks. And then as the movie goes, you're like, oh, he's even worse than I thought. Oh, God, he's even worse than I thought. <laughs> he just keeps getting worse. <laughs> So so he's there's there's some of that in here. There's a lot of like Friedrich Nietzsche uh, style philosophy going on in here. Mm -hmm. There's also a lot of if you're familiar with Alfred Jerry from uh, like uh, the crazy um, pataphysics guy. He's basically mm -hmm. like the grandfather of absurdism. There's a lot of that guy in here. It's just it's just a big old hot mess of amazingness and uh i highly recommend you watch it before listening to us spoil it yeah which we will be doing yes quite and verily oh yeah oh yeah it is in subtitles but you can find it freely on the internet i don't think i believe it's in the public domain um i think it is it's old enough you can also get like lavish box sets and stuff i actually have a box set but I, I have so to... lavish, <laughs> but you know, there's a lot of extra stuff. There's like making of stuff out there and interviews with him and all kinds of stuff that you can get in these box sets. But yeah, it's, but it's easy to find these movies, all three of them. They're out there. I would, I would recommend watching it. I guess we do need to get a little bit spoilery with the uh, content warning yeah. because this movie covers, let's see, uh, you've got your murder, mm -hmm. you've, you've got your torture and you've got uh let's see um dismemberment you have uh spiders i know there are some people out there that don't want to do anything with spiders this is not going to be the movie for you no and then it ratchets it up to um to rape mm -hmm. and uh lots of us lots of assault sexual and otherwise uh and then rape induced suicide yeah. that um is pretty graphic <laughs> yeah. for for its time especially and uh what am i missing i don't know i think that pretty much covers it uh blasphemy yeah. if you have yeah. if you get triggered by blasphemy this is gonna do it yeah yeah that's the only thing apparently in the movie that got him in any trouble was the blasphemy <laughs> yeah the blasphemy and even then only some trouble in some places until years later when the military was like all right dude you gotta you cut that out you can make <laughs> you can make another movie in the next century <laughs> just knock it off zay yeah zay 
So yeah, we're gonna get into it. Um, anything, last things to say before we spoil everything, John? <laughs> I can't. I can't think of anything else. I think we covered it. All right. So go watch it. And now you're back. You watched it. What did you think? <laughs> uh, just kidding. You don't have a microphone. <laughs> It's so funny every time. <laughs> every time. I know they enjoy it. They laugh. They tell me they laugh <laughs> through the microphone they don't have. <laughs> Zing again. <laughs> so the movie opens on a soliloquy. It's just Coffin Joe staring straight at us, dressed and, and be bearded just exactly the way that he is. If you don't have a visual of him, you need to go look up a picture now. It's worth it. Uh, I would recommend a GIF. Find a GIF. It's really worth it to see how he moves. Uh, he says, what is life? It's the beginning of death. What is death? It is the end of life. What is existence? It is the continuity of blood. What is blood? It's the reason to exist. So he's like going for a solipsistic soliloquy, but it doesn't actually do a solipsism. He just does one thing and then does another thing and it's like oh okay so you're like a crazy guy i got it I'm, yeah. you're, you're putting off cult leader energy i like it keep going thank you <laughs> and continue yes <laughs> and that is the end of his that it then moves to the opening credits which includes every death scene in the movie except one yeah yeah very odd but okay it introduces each actor as the character that they're portraying in like at the beginning of their death scene so it's like oh okay that one's gonna die that way oh okay she's going to die uh, oh oh that way okay it's strange i guess the only thing that it does keep you guessing is that it doesn't portray their death scenes in order yeah that's true <laughs> so uh so that's quite a something uh oh and then we get a witch's soliloquy she calls uh she calls us her brave little friends and then goes on to warn us to not watch this movie because of spooky reasons or something something about skulls it's all very strange but so now we've gotten two soliloquies one from coffin joe who looks like a warlock and one from the witch who looks like a witch fantastic you want you want to show a courage that doesn't exist then stay <laughs> suffer yes yes like, it's always good to start a movie with warning the audience not to watch the movie telling the audience to piss off <laughs> you won't like it it's and, like arrogant bastard movie and, and cackling like maniacally for about 10 minutes oh lots of really good laughter and cackling in here uh, especially like uh, in the opening credits there was lots of the screams that would trail off into the cackle laughter that's good stuff yeah 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 the sound design is hilarious. <laughs> uh, and then the op uh, the movie opens for real, and it's some dude's funeral. People are crying, and then the camera just pans over, and there is Coffin Joe in what I call his Darth Peter Pan pose. <laughs> he's got the black cape around his elbows, but he's, you know, doing the double teacup situation. <laughs> and uh, he's just there, and then he, like, steps between everyone and the and the grave hole talks to them and generally says nonsense uh then he goes home he's like done with done with the funeral uh apparently the f 
funeral made him hungry because he hates listening to people cry and his wife Lenita comes and tells them that that's part of his job. Doing a good job means being around crying people. He doesn't really seem to like that. He's also mad at her because when she brings him his dinner, which he demands, um, there's no meat on his plate. He's very upset about the lack of meat. Uh, and she says, it's because it's Holy Friday. And he says, what do I care if it's Holy Friday or Evil Friday? I'll eat meat today, even if it's human flesh. He just does not waste time being villainous. At first, you think he's just an eccentric undertaker, but then he's uh, an eccentric undertaker that hates people and will just talk about eating human flesh. He is going to leave. Uh, his wife is like, the devil may be tempting you. He says, if I meet the devil, I'll invite him for dinner. He's going to go out and get a lamb. Yeah. Uh, he says a lamb. He's going to get a lamb to eat for dinner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And don't worry, if you thought that him going out to get lamb wouldn't play a large role for a portion of this movie, don't worry, it will. It keeps coming back. It's, it's so, like so much lamb. Yeah, there's. it's like a boomerang lamb shake. It just shows back up in the movie. It's great. <laughs> it really does. Um, he ends up coming back home, and now he is just sitting at his table by the window while an entire Catholic parade happens outside of his window. Uh, and it looks like it looks like he lives on a bridge house where they're all like marching to underneath where yeah. he's sitting. It's very weird. It's a weird shot. I guess maybe they just come to the house and then boing off and go the other direction. I'm not really sure. But while all of this is happening, he's got this huge wet lamb shank. Just like picture picture a, a, a turkey turkey leg, but it's it's uh it's real wet and it's just been left out till it's room temperature. It's like that, and he is just shoving it into his face, just pieces <laughs> falling off of it as it approaches his mouth. And laughing gleefully as the as the catholics parade by and he's shoving meat into his mouth on holy friday he's just having the best time possible <laughs> it's wonderful <laughs> and uh, at a certain point he's tired of the parade and he's tired of eating so he sets his lamb shank onto the plate leaves that on the table and decides he's gonna go a roman at night and his wife is like please don't go hit on Zarahina, like, or Terezina, sorry, Terezina. Please don't go hit on her. You're married to me, but she's not even like you're married to me. She's like, your best friend is Antonio. That's his girlfriend. Don't, don't go sexually assault her, please. And he's like, ha, 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 and leaves. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and uh, he goes, and apparently Terezina is being escorted by some other dude, and Coffin Joe's like, ah, oh, no, I will escort her. And he's like, eh, okay. And then he sexually assaults Terezina, uh, and then while he is kissing upon her, she bites him with her big sharp teeth, and he says, you have the fangs of a viper and the face of an angel, and then they just kind of part ways, and everything's <laughs> fine. And then you get that scene of him like standing there, just you see him like touching his mouth, <laughs> where she bit him. Yeah, feeling feeling the owie lip part. It's so weird. <laughs> so from there, Coffin Joe goes to the saloon, 
and uh, he he makes another one of his grand entrances, just like at the funeral at the beginning of the film. He just kind of struts in, and everybody's like, "Dun dun." <laughs> It's like, oh God, yeah. it's that guy. <laughs> Everyone is like, oh, I hope he doesn't come over here. God damn it. <laughs> Every time he comes in, something terrible happens. <laughs> and then he's he's decided that he's still he's hungry again, I guess we should say, since he just had half a lamb earlier. And he, he sends some random guy back to his house to get his leftover meat. Yeah. He must go back to my house and fetch me my meat. <laughs> <laughs> so weird <laughs> and the guy's then, like oh yeah sure yeah, sure sure mr yeah. joe <laughs> so then he joins these guys that are playing cards and you know he's like he's he's like king king card he's king everything he does apparently he's <laughs> he outbids everybody he's you know like sc- like scaring them off because he's bidding so high and then there's one idiot that remains and you know, he's going to double the pot too. And, um, you know, then he's like, all right, well, then let's see your cards or whatever. And the guy flips his cards over and he has, I think, what is it? Three Kings. Yeah. And then, and then coffin Joe's like, Oh, uh, let's see what I have. Four aces. <laughs> <laughs> but then the guy doesn't want to give up the money because he needs, he doesn't have any money to pay his rent. He can put all his money in there in the pile and, and and Joe is like, you know, like there's that little standoff, and then Joe stands up, takes a wine bottle, <laughs> smashes it on the table, like in half, and then looks at the guy, and then just mashes the bottle down on top of the guy's hand, somehow magically chopping off his fingers. Yes. It was just amazing. <laughs> yes. He completely defingers the guy and then takes all the money. Yeah, yeah. He, the guy's just now like missing his two good working fingers, and he's and then like it's like forty seconds of the guy going, <laughs> it's like okay, we get it. Yeah, and so, it's graphic too. Like this is this is some intense business for nineteen sixty four. If this had been America, like this is like seeing like they've he's got like the bottle down on the table, and there you could see that it's between like his hand and the fingers for a second, and you see like the floppy fingers on the table. It's good stuff. He's like like wrenching the bottle back and forth. It's pretty disgusting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So fortunately for Joe, because I'm sure he's famished at this point, the guy returns with his meat and uh, he's he's eating his meat and, and giving another one of his little talks. And he he basically walks up to some another random guy and f- essentially forces the guy to eat the meat with him, even though the guy's like, <laughs> holy Friday. <laughs> He's like, no, no, you're going to eat a bite out of this room temperature loaf. <laughs> and I love the guy so game. He's just like munching away on it. <laughs> it's like a oh, one bite would have done fine, sir. You don't have to eat the whole thing. <laughs> well, if you're going to send, you might as well go big. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> and then they send away for the doctor because of this, the whiny guy's, you know, hand. And the, the, in the meantime, Joe begins hassling the waitress. It's like just, <laughs> you know, giving her a hard time. And then uh, eventually one guy has finally, the, the bald guy sitting at the card table has finally decided he's done with Joe's shenanigans. So he gets up and attacks Joe. And it's it's 
such a beautiful fight scene. It's so ridiculous. And of course, Coffin Joe thoroughly kicks the guy's ass. But after that's after they show this close up of his eyes, and it's like the whole screen is just his eyes, like making crazy eyes. And then it like does this cheesy cut. It's his crazy eyes, but they're all great, like weird bloodshot. Yeah. Yeah. He gets these huge, fat, thick <laughs> veins in his eyes. So he like he does a uh, an incredible Hulk or like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde situation. And then he's just an unbeatable fight monster. <laughs> he is. He's the, the whatever that James McAvoy character was in the uh, in the. Uh, uh, <laughs> M. Night, yeah. M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dongs movie. Yeah, House of Mirrors. Yeah, I that one. Know. Whatever. <laughs> Where he turns into the ultimate monster. Whatever. That was yes. a stupid reference. I wish I hadn't said it. So anyways. It, it was good. <laughs> so he, he beats the living shit out of this guy. And uh, he, and then he starts whipping him like with this... What is it he's whipping him with? I didn't even really... I don't know. It's just like they happened to have a cat of nine tails around or something like that. He just fucking whips the hell out of this guy. Like, just (laughs) trounces him. Over the face. Like, just right across, like, top of his bald head all the way down his face, whipping him over and over again. And you see him much later in the movie, and he still has whip marks all over his head. Yeah, I loved that, too. Because there are no whip marks at this point in the movie, right. but then later he's just got these big red de- lines down part of his face, and he's like, you know, I think it was him. I think it was that guy that did it. <laughs> oh, do you think, whipping boy? Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> so... So he asked, after he's done completely trouncing this guy, he heads off for the for the graveyard or for his you know home whatever, laughing like a complete asshole because mm-hmm. he's just he's just you know ruined everybody's day once again. And no then, matter where he goes, he ruins days, and it gives him the best time. <laughs> it gives him an exquisite joy. <laughs> uh, so Antonio uh, Terezinha's dude uh, invites him to go for a stroll, and. Uh, in the meantime, Terzinia is like, you know, ah, you know, maybe you should just go home to Lenita. Um, you know, I just, I, you know, maybe you should just go home and be with your wife. And he's like, a woman who cannot bear children needs no care. Oh, good. And I was like, so apparently she's, because she can't have children, she's not worthy of his attention. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. That seems fair. So, so good. So so then he's walking along alone. He's by himself. He's walking alone, and he's he's sad because he doesn't have a son. He can't continue <laughs> his bloodline. He's sad. So he comes up with you know a per- fairly logical idea. He decides he's going to kill his wife because she has no value to him, as she can't bear children. Yeah, so seems reasonable. time for her to die. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. he gets he gets back to the hand hand cabin or whatever the this <laughs> weird room, and. Uh, he busts out like this huge bottle of chloroform, I assume, mm-hmm. and gets this disgusting rag and gets it all soaked up and then grabs her, ties her up, and uh, gives another one of his little speeches as he's doing it, and then whips out this tarantula out of this jar that he has <laughs> and <laughs> tells her tells her that his plan to get Terezinha pregnant as his wife is dies from a, I'm assuming, single tarantula bite on her neck, mm-hmm. kills her instantly. Yeah, and this is his big plan. He's gonna he's gonna stage it as an accident, which is so ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Yep. 
Yeah. So he's going to get away with it because she was bitten by a spider. What are we to do about it? I get out. There's spiders. <laughs> it's great. He releases the tarantula like on her foot. And then as he's giving this big, long speech, it's slowly crawling up her body <laughs> while she's struggling with like with like her her, her she's gagged. And uh, and then it, it bites her on the neck. And so, like, as she's slowly dying, he's like, I'm going to get Terezina pregnant. <laughs> then she's dead. Oh, and he also talks about her suffering, like how cool it is that she's suffering right now. <laughs> it's he's just real fucked. And he had he picked the perfect tarantula. He really did. It's It's a delightfully big, hairy tarantula. Yeah, yeah, and that tarantula was like, he was like, oh yeah, I see, I see what you're playing, so you want me to, should I like, I shouldn't bite her on the ankle, right? I should climb all the way up and then bite her on the neck? That would be better, right? More dramatic? Okay, yeah, I'll do that. You got it, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> then the movie switches, and now he's just at some crossroad somewhere, and uh, a dude is walking around with his little boy in hand, and he's like, mad at the boy for not going fast enough or being whiny or something. And Coffin Joe scolds him, like goes over and is like, hey, you, no, you have to be really good to him because he is your son. He is uh, like the continuity of your blood. Don't be mean to him. So he scolds the father and then he turns to the little kid and he's like, you stop crying. Real men don't cry. And and then he walks away and that's the scene. And it, as, as he walks away, then the father and son walk away and it seems like they have been fixed. So <laughs> they got a little, little Zay therapy going on there. Yeah. It was like a little public service announcement in the middle of the movie. Like, don't be shitty to your kids. Also don't be a shitty kid. <laughs> and back to the movie <laughs> yeah yeah it never comes up again it's nope. just a little thing he added to like the 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 end of the first act um and then it switches forward and it's now 15 days after lanita's murder joe is invited by antonio to go to the uh gypsy yay good we're <laughs> we're going that's where we're going gypsy uh, time yep Okay, um, but uh, Coffin Joe thinks it'll be fun because it's going to be Antonio and Terezina, and he thinks it'll be fun to see them held in the spell of a witch's nonsense, basically. Uh, also, Terezina will be there, so hey, like, you know, that, that gets his pants wet. Um, <laughs> let's see, so they, they get there, they get to, the, get to the witch, I will call her, uh, and she tells... Terezina to remember who she loves or there will be death. She tells Antonio that his life ends here. There's no point in thinking about anything to do with the world anymore because he's going to die. Uh, but make sure that you get buried at midnight in order to restore your soul or whatever. Right. And he's like, oh, and that was after, after Terezina's, uh, Antonio was like, well, here, let her get my fortune. Maybe it'll be better. And uh, and then she looks, of course, she Coffin Joe is there and she says that she will pay for his sins, but that he will suffer in hell. He gets very mad. He also does a bunch of comical business while she's sitting around a table with them. He like she's lit a candle and it's like the Oracle candle. And he just like picks it up and is lighting his his uh, Sherlock Holmes style pipe with it. Like, man, this is all dumb. 
Yeah, he's not uh, impressed with her at all. No, no. And so he he runs away, or I guess storms out. Um, and the 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 witch tells Antonio that she's not allowed to charge because of the spirits. The spirits won't allow for her to accept payment for a fortune where death has been prophesied. So right. it's free. You don't have to pay her. Thank you. Great deal. Yeah. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> if I would have known that, I wouldn't have been upset about the death portents. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and then they they walk Teresina home, and then Antonio is like, hey, Joe, you should come over to my house and we'll drink. I like that everyone in this town hates Coffin Joe, except his wife, who is now dead, yeah. and Antonio. For some reason, like everyone thinks Coffin Joe is the worst, but Antonio's like, I think he's kind of cool. Like, <laughs> he hangs out with me and my girlfriend. It's great. Yeah, he's never crossed me in any way. No, I'll invite him over for drinks. It's great. I mean, he obviously has the most money of anyone in town, so maybe it's just good to be his friend. Could be. Um, and then so so they go back to Antonio's place. They're they're drinking. Hey, I think you'll like a cup of this. Uh, Joe starts. They they start talking about disbelief, and and Antonio is like, Oh yeah, I believe what I have is good enough for me and stuff. And Joe's like, No, nah, God is dumb. What I believe is life, and he even uses the word like throbbing. And it's like, <laughs> Oh okay, he's a throbby yeah. guy. Um, and he says that that his belief in life and stuff is why he is so strong. So, like, the reason that this little shrimpy guy wearing silly clothes is can beat anyone else in town up is because he believes in life, believes in himself, and they're held back by their superstitions. Thus, he is perhaps some kind of, I don't know, ubermensch? Oh, shit! <laughs> Uh, it's like, oh, okay, guy. And he's like, oh, it. yeah. What, what I just the only thing that I'm missing from my Ubermensch perfecta is uh, I, I ain't got no ladies full of my sperm all good. <laughs> That's right. So at this point, Antonio starts talking about how much he loves Teresina and she's just so good. And it's the only thing that makes him happy. And oh gosh. And sometimes I write my name as Antonio de Teresina in my diary. And it's just so happy. And all of this time while he's talking about this, Joe is like walking around behind him. He looks at the fireplace set, picks up a... I don't know what exactly it is. It's like a poker. It's just got a hoop on one end to hang on the fireplace kit. And the other end is just a, a little L shape, but he's like, yeah, this'll do. So it's basically, I'll call it a fireplace poker. It counts sure. as a poker. Yeah. And, uh, and so while Antonio's saying all of these nice things, uh, he just clobbers Antonio over the back of the head. <laughs> Yes, he does. With the fireplace poker. So we get another <laughs> fireplace poker kill. It's amazing. Oh, I mean, this is a global weapon. Oh, man, the, the universal weapon. <laughs> it, is, it is the one. If you are not sure which weapon to use, choose the fireplace poker. Go for the fireplace poker. Oh, man. And, uh, and so then, because he's got to make it look like an accident, he takes Antonio into the bathroom puts him in the tub that has 
one water spigot and it just has an on or off so it's just the tub that you fill with whatever water happens to be in the pipe i love that um and he uh he smashes the back of antonio's head into like the stone wall over and over again to make it look like oh look he slipped in the bathtub and then turn on the water and then drowned. <laughs> so he's got Antonio down in the water. The water is pouring over him, but then somehow smashed in head Antonio wakes up and he has to strugglingly hold Antonio's neck down while Antonio drowns in the water. And it, it, lots of really good close-ups on, on Coffin Joe going, <laughs> <laughs> and also close-ups of Antonio burbling and uh, dead. So very dead. So sorry for you. (laughs) And we get a good shot of him uh, when I think when the police find him or whatever, or maybe it's on the table. I don't know. But he's like all foamy mouthed, which Mm -hmm. I guess Coffin Joe is like, hey, you know what I think about? I think about a nice foamy mouth. Sure. Yes, it's important to Coffin Joe. Yeah. To get foam in your mouth. So yeah, he's a suspect. Yeah, they, they the police tell him that he's a suspect and you know, the, the usual, we're, you're a suspect. Of course, Joe's like, whatever, and leaves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they're like, you know what? Uh, we have to keep you a suspect until, uh, what is it? The autopsy comes back. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah. So then he's like, okay, great. Don't care. And then he heads off for the funeral. And uh, at the funeral, Terezinha bugs, completely bugs the fuck out and accuses Joe of murder. And, uh, you know, because he murdered Antonio. It's obvious. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And then we get the uh, we get this weird like rotating <laughs> camera twirly eye shot where it's like the the shot hit the shot of his eyes, but then the it spirals like yeah, yeah it's like a Batman it, effect or something. It's really weird, and it's out of nowhere, and just the one time, just the one time, and then suddenly we're back to the saloon. Yeah, it's like okay, and then the saloon. I, I guess for people who fell asleep in the last ten or fifteen minutes, the saloon guys give you a real quick recap of what's happened. Yeah, it's go, really oh, by the way, the they think that he killed him. Okay, well, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's an intermission. Ah, uh, there could be. Yeah, yeah, it could be. And then Joe shows up and immediately gets weird with the waitress again because oh, you know God. Joe and women. And then he decides for some reason just impulsively as. He's like harassing her and she's trying to, you know, trying to keep him calm and, and, you know, appease him. And in the middle of her doing that, he just completely ignores her. And he's like, I want to buy this bird. There's like a bird in the cage, like up on On the wall. wall. Yeah, it's so weird. (laughs) It's so weird. And then Coco or whatever the guy's name is that works there (laughs) is like, this bird is not for sale. And then he's like, threatens the guy and, you know, he buys the. He, he gets the bird. It makes no sense. And he then way he, overpays for it. The guy's like, way, no, yeah. no, yeah. He's like, no, no, it's not for sale. He's like, how about for $2,000? And the guy's like, oh, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. We can sell the bird. <laughs> I can sell the bird. Yeah. <laughs> so he buys the bird. He, he, he goes to leave. Apparently, he just came to the bar to harass the, the lady and then got sidetracked and bought a fucking bird. And now he's leaving. <laughs> So now he's on his way out and he stops at the door and he's like threatening the guys, the guys that go, the card playing guys. And, you know, he's, he's just about to, he's like, as he's about to leave, there's this weird like ghost bird thing that flies. Like I had to go back and watch that a few times. Yes. Like, 
Because they even put a sound effect. Like, yeah, there's like a little, whoop, yeah, like a, a cartoon or something like going on. And there's like a weird other bird cage over there. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what that was supposed to be. It was. I think like, it was. It was from the opening credits. There were like parts where the opening credits would fade with all of these white cartoon like triangle birds yeah. flying across the screen. Oh, yeah. But but that doesn't answer the question. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, there's no meaning to it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it was, awesome. It was really cool because it was you know, unexplainable and strange. And and it just they they obviously wanted you to notice it because they gave it a sound effect. Yeah, and they gave it like its own moment. Like the the moment of it going was allowed to land. <laughs> very, yeah, very strange. So, anyways, whatever the fuck that was. So he he brings the bird to Terezinha as a gift, and um, <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't want it. So he's just like, well, then I must leave and throw it away. Yes. <laughs> and she's like, oh wait, wait a minute, don't throw the bird away. <laughs> Well, you don't want it. I'm throwing it away. It's garbage now. Yeah. Fucking, it, this guy's insane. <sighs> and then he just openly admits that he, he killed Antonio. He, I mean, she knew anyway. And then we get another one of these bloodshot eye effects, which does not bode well for Terezinha. No. And then he uh, gets real slappy with her. Oh, man. Like uh, just obsessively slapping her around, it was it was rough, and uh, yeah, she bites him, and and he's just he's just really knocking her around. It's it was pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, it was it was in the opening credit scene. This is yeah. the part that we see where he's just like holding her down on the ha- on the couch and slapping her like front then back then front then back in the face over and over again, and that was what they chose for her death scene instead of the one that we actually get, but it's just real upsetting. Yeah. She's got blood all over her face and you know, he, he, she bites him again. He goes in for a bloody kiss. and Yeah. He's really yeah. into like, Oh, I'm going to kiss that blood. Yeah. And you're just like, wow, that was, that was pretty rough. And then he rapes her and it's, yeah. it's like, he goes in and he like climbs up on top of her, pulls her dress up. So you can see like her thigh, and it's obvious what's about to happen. And then they, the camera goes to her hand and she's oh holding the bird and she crushes the bird to death in that scene. I was yes. Like, That's really intense. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, it, it's like, it's her struggling against the rape. And so yeah. she, it, it's her fist squeezing the bird to death as she's trying to fight against it. And then just going limp and yeah. not, trying anymore (sighs) yes yeah it's pretty pretty heavy heavy stuff and then he uh he he starts like blathering he's holding the bird and like you know giving another one of his speeches i had a hard time kind of following that part because i was a little bit in shock to be honest and like (laughs) it's just kind of like wow and then he's just talking he just kind of tosses the bird like it's just drops it you know and then and it got, I was just like, wow, okay. And then she's, she says she's going to come for his soul at midnight. Of course, he is, you know, doesn't believe any of this stuff. So he just laughs at her and he leaves, which is like, you, I mean, clearly this is the woman you want to have your child. I mean, because you've shown so much affection yeah. towards her. Jesus Christ. So anyways, that was, that whole scene was very intense. 
before he leaves though like when she says she's gonna kill herself yeah. he says oh all women say that oh my god yeah yeah wow and they regret saying that because it turns out that they then don't kill themselves it's like oh dude what the fuck rub the salt in the wound dude jesus okay in case you thought coffin joe was a good guy yeah in in my notes i'd I'd put in earlier this guy's rad and then when i got to this scene i was like i have to go back and erase that part (laughs) he's slightly less uh, dramatically less rad yeah decidedly unrad (laughs) so now he's okay so joe pisses off into the graveyard and he finds this like this altar it's like a sacrificial altars of some sort at a grave and there's all these offerings and stuff and he takes these two bottles of booze that are um you know on the on the gravesite or whatever and he's like oh my lucky day and (laughs) Then he's got the two bottles and he just like gets up and starts stomping on the grave, like <laughs> trouncing everything that's left, like the flowers and stuff and the trinkets. And then he throws one of the bottles against a gravestone and he's laughing maniacally and just being a complete asshole. And he goes and like starts challenging the spirits in the graveyard, just acting like a complete lunatic, like extremely melodramatic, like way over the top you know, challenging the spirits. He's not scared. And, you know, they, you know, for somebody who doesn't believe in spirits, he spends a lot of time challenging spirits. And uh, there's all this weird, like, echoiness and, and crazy, like, the music's fucking batshit. Like, oh, weird, man, like, it's great. <laughs> yes. a, a tonal, like, a tonal piano and weird sound effects and stuff. Yeah. And and this guy, the, 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 the actor man himself, he is he's not holding back he is no. just full tum tum going for it like not just just challenging the heavens with his superiority the the vast might of his disbelief he is just all in and hitting all the notes it is amazing i think this might be the scene i could be wrong but apparently, like, one of the things is that at a certain point, the camera crew didn't want to shoot a shot because it was at night and you couldn't see anything. Uh-huh. And so he pointed a gun at them and said, right. no, we're going That's to right. shoot the shot. And uh, in a later interview, he was like, oh, yeah, it was a prop gun. There were there was no risk of them having bullets in it. But yes, I did do that. <laughs> I did indeed point a gun at my camera crew. Yeah that didn't want to work (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's pretty gung-ho on and off camera (laughs) gung-ho oh my god (laughs) so yeah so then he encounters the gypsy witch lady again and uh she she basically tells him that you know very soon he's gonna feel the burden of his sins and uh he's so unimpressed he tells her he's gonna build her build her coffin <laughs> yes it's one of his favorite threats it's like like i think he used it with the uh saloon guys earlier he was like well i'll build all of you coffins that's right <laughs> i mean he's enterprising you gotta give him yeah that. yeah uh, uh, you know i mean i'm gonna beat you up i might as well get some business out of it of course yeah um let's see uh 
the movie then shows us uh, someone stumbling into uh, across the hung, strung up body of Teresina because apparently she did go through with it and killed herself by hanging. Um, and then she also left a note, but it's really like apparently the police say it couldn't be coffin joe because she wrote this note proving that coffin joe didn't get to do it there was a translation of the note but it went very fast and i did not bother to go back but it seems like the note that she wrote about her own suicide somehow made it so that terry uh, coffin joe was not implicated in the death which seems like a missed opportunity I, I, my assumption is that she didn't want him locked up in some prison cell so that she her ghost could come back and kill him later or something. Oh, nifty. That was the only that was the only thing I could figure or guess from it. Yeah. Good plan. Because she, um, she yeah, they openly they I mean, they they clearly want you to know that she didn't blame him for her death. I also like this town, this town, like not only is the witch just hanging out in those woods, but like. It's the woods everyone walks through in order to get anywhere in this town because there's there you have to get from the saloon to the police station to one of three houses that exist there. Those are the oh and and in the middle of all of that the the uh, the the boulevard is actually a graveyard and that's like the center of town and everything is just you walk through the graveyard forest to get to anywhere in the town and. <laughs> which is just hanging out in there it's great the other one is of course the police station and apparently the doctor's office the we are now at the doctor's office and he is just finishing up his little letter that concludes that uh what was it antonio's death was homicide yeah yeah so he's writing a letter for the official statement uh saying that it was homicide and just then coffin joe appears in the doorway <laughs> just you're like, hey, doctor, what what you what you writing about? Hmm. <laughs> and he's like, oh, nothing, just you know, official document business. <laughs> and uh, up to this point, up to this point, the doctor has been the only person other than Antonio and uh, and Coffin Joe's wife that haven't been afraid of him. Yeah. Um, in some way, I guess it's the people that are afraid of him don't die. It's all the people that aren't quite afraid of him. They're the ones who dying. Yeah. yeah, but now the doctor does indeed like shrink back with his little piece of paper, and Coffin Joe's like, "Oh yeah, all of that's fine. You can do your paperwork as long as you don't see anything." <laughs> <laughs> the doctor's like, "What?" And then Coffin Joe plucks his eyes out with his long, uh, uh, Three Stooges style fingernails, like zoink right there. <laughs> And then pours some booze on him while he's struggling on the floor, lights him on fire with the letter he was writing, and leaves. Fantastic. Jesus. I like how out of tone with the like the set of the movie, because it like it goes from Teresina having killed herself, and and then it goes to this where he has this like full-blooded go at the doctor. And then the next scene, it's him all upset. So, like, he, he got the business done first about killing the doctor, but then he was allowed to mourn Terezina's death. He starts blaming Terezina for the extinction of his bloodline. He starts challenging her to take his soul, and he's, like, 
drunk and just flinging himself all around the enormous set that is his home with statues and and uh, rod iron banisters and and chandeliers and just every manner of vase that you can pick up and fling around and of course with just off-site uh, giant windows that allow the lightning to spark off of everything and just shine it's real great <laughs> it really is <laughs> uh, um, he uh, he throws down a cross and calls it a symbol of ignorance uh, he says that he wants the world in. He's like, Satan, where are you? And and all of this stuff. And then, of course, he concludes that nothing is stronger than his disbelief. And uh, and it's just this this whole thing. And then it moves over, and now it's back at the saloon. Uh, the, the dudes at the saloon are talking about how it's a pitch black night outside and about how today is uh, Day of the Dead. And then... Of course, Joe shows up and he's like, ha ha, don't go home. Instead, I am going to buy everyone around. You are going to drink with me. I don't care. You're going to drink with me. He's coming after the waitress again. And like, not as hard, but like this time he has like a thousand dollar bill that he wads up and puts in her hand. But her uncle is there and her uncle is like, Nah, and he takes the thousand dollar bill out of her hand and throws it on the ground. It's like, we won't accept any money from you. And so, of course, it's time for Coffin Joe to to Coffin Hulk out. <laughs> and uh, there's a nearby bust of Jesus's head with a crown of thorns on it. And so he's like, ah, yes, an appropriate weapon. And he pulls the crown of thorns off Jesus's head and like, threatens the coffin the uh, i'm sorry the uncle guy and starts calling him old man when he is like not old at all <laughs> i know and he's got the oh you had the crazy eyes again yeah crazy eyes again the bolt big bulgy veins and uh he like convinces that guy like just by telling him to to get down here on the ground and pick up that thousand dollars and then smashes the crown of thorns into the guy's face all around his eye and it's just like rubbed like just really grinding it in there yeah uh and and then it's fine it's just over and uh coffin joe leaves kind of like he exits stage right uh <laughs> and all of a sudden a fancy lady shows up and she's all confused because this is the only place open in town and she's looking for information they try to, like, oh, what are you looking for? She's like, oh, my family's house. Uh, they're like, oh, yeah, that's over by the graveyard. Of course it's over by the of graveyard. Course. The graveyard <laughs> is the center of town. <laughs> and uh, none of them will walk her home because it's Day of the Dead and it's very dark outside and that would be scary. Except one person will walk her home. Enter stage right. Coffin Joe is back. <laughs> and he will walk her home because... She's purdy. Um, and then as he's leaving with her, he turns back to all of the people in the saloon and says, if I meet a corpse along the way, I'll send your regards. <laughs> what a card. Whoa. <laughs> and they're like, oh, thank God he's gone. That poor woman. <laughs> yeah, I love how he mocks, he mocks them. And then he walks off with that lady and they're talking about fear and all this dumb shit. And then they, they 
get to the, the, the gypsy's place and I, I just so I, I love how she's she likes him for some reason which makes no sense like i guess he's supposed to be charming or something but that she's not superstitious and the town is full of superstitious yeah, people and so like that's true. they have like a little moment of chemistry and we're like no don't do it don't do it lady <laughs> so then we we're, we got the witch she's cackling going on and on about the wind and the black cats and the owls and all the shit that's gonna you know come but these are all portenses like he's going to he's going to uh, meet his end he's gonna bite it and <laughs> then then late the lady marta uh she tells him that she would like to see him again because you know i mean they had it they had a delightful walk to the to the crazy gym and uh so yeah she would like to see him again he tells her that uh well he doesn't i don't think he tells her he just thinks to himself that she's pretty right as he's walking off yeah, yeah, it, he has uh, another little, like, monologue with the screen. That's right. He's like, if I play it right, she won't escape me. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, dude. It's like, okay. So then he's he's walking, he's walking off, walking home, and he starts seeing all the, the witch's portents. He sees, like, the loudest black cat I've ever heard in my life, which apparently yeah. represents the devil. And oh. the... F- the fakest owl I've ever seen. Oh yeah. That was, it was like, well, we have this mop. What if we put two yellow eyes and a fake beak on it? He whips his gun out and shoots at absolutely nothing. And then that's one of my favorite movie things. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and and then, then uh, he gets, he goes to light his, his, his pipe and Antonio's ghost shows up and gives him, offers him a light. Yeah, and it's like a guy in makeup with like somebody took a glow marker or magic marker and drew on every cell of the film the guy's outline to make it look ghostly. I guess. Yeah, it's super. It's a really, really cool effect. But it, it looked really cool. So but it was, fake. was like, what the hell? Yeah, like they he put a lot of effort into that. He was like, and in this scene, we're going to do this. <laughs> We're going to hand color each cell. Yeah, it's it's nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking batshit. So the the ghost offers him a light and he starts losing it because he, you know, he he sees like this ghostly procession. It turns out it's his funeral that he's seeing and, you know, he's flipping the fuck out because he doesn't believe in any of this shit. So he's like, probably thinks he's going insane and he's completely filthy. It's just like, just covered in filth and he sees visions of Terezinha's ghost, and then he he's stumbling around, like really stumbling around, knocking over everything that's supposed to be made out of stone, but seems to fall and bounce. <laughs> and <laughs> like stumble wanders his way into the the two Antonio and Terezinha's tomb, and man, the music like at this point the music again is like just completely fucking batshit. Oh yeah. All these weird noises and somebody's somebody's punching a piano and just like (laughs) it's so good. It's crazy. (laughs) We get these like audio flashbacks and and uh he he's he has to see the corpses to believe they're dead, essentially, because he just he can't he he just refuses to accept that it's true. So he, he gets to the tomb and he knocks off the uh <laughs> the child's diary grade locks from the <laughs> gates to the tube 
<laughs> they're made out of they're made out of pancake batter, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's just not, well, eh, get off of there. <laughs> like, eh, wipes wipes the locks off. <laughs> Sees a, <laughs> sees sees a, uh, so he tumbles yeah he tumbles into the, oh god it's so, this movie is insane so he sees their corpses uh, her corpse was all maggoty and like gross and I, I'm trying to remember what his his had something else going on his his had the foamy mouth and that's then right. for some reason also the tarantula yeah that's it's like okay yeah but yeah whatever. like what is what are the tarantula <laughs> What's it doing there? Just it's, oh, it was in there earlier in the movie, and we thought it would be silly if his wife's <laughs> corpse was also in here. <laughs> so weird. This town has one tomb. <laughs> Terezinha has like I, I thought that was cool that she had the rope, the rope burn on her neck from the hanging. Yep. Um, and uh, he he basically like dies at midnight. All bulgy eyed hanging upside down discovered by a police uh police search party and they just they show his corpse like hanging upside down with yeah. his eyes bulging out of his head and it's it's a pretty cool shot actually it is and and we see it he he like just is suffering as we hear like the 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 bells the 12 bells yeah. of midnight going and then yeah it's a police search party but it's like all the dudes in the saloon and they all have torches and they're That's like right. piling into the mausoleum like scooby-doo style and they're like oh there he is that's how he died <laughs> yay we're free yeah. <laughs> And that's the end. That's the theme. Yeah, theme. I liked that. <laughs> F-I-M. Theme. The movie is theme. Yep. And that, I'm good. My, fa- my friends, is at midnight I'll take your soul. Holy shit, that movie is intense. That is not what I was expecting. Like, It's, it's a, a remarkable piece of film. Yeah. Yeah, when it started rolling, I was thinking, oh, okay, this is going to be like a spider baby type yeah. thing. Like, it's obviously silly. And then it's just, it's just not, this movie is hardcore. Like, it goes heavy. It really does. Uh, it really doesn't pull any punches. And according to my wife, it was, you know, people were pretty freaked out about this movie when it came out in Brazil in 64. I mean, they had never seen anything like it before, especially not from a Brazilian, so... You know, that was had a pretty intense effect. I mean, he was hugely successful. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, he had he had a whole career. Uh, uh part of, like in a, in addition to like the talk shows and and anthology series and stuff, he had a comic book. Like he he turned his character into an entire franchise, like Freddy Krueger style, like with merch and all kinds of nonsense. It's ridiculous. It's pretty awesome that the guy was able to leverage this into a whole career. Yeah, I mean, hey, he invested. He sold his car and his house to make this movie, and he turned it into an entire career. Of course, I don't know how... Well, I think at least one of the shows that he was in was like for, for like the full two decades of the military dictatorship, so... Even then, he was probably doing okay. Yeah, I think he kept working. Yeah. That's crazy. And apparently he's been in tons of other things, things that he hasn't directed as Coffin Joe. He just like keeps showing up. Everyone loves him. And just uh, Coffin Joe and his way around. Yeah. 
and uh, died in February 2020, not of COVID, just no. of some sort of like pneumonia variant. Yeah, yeah, just old, super old dude in terrible shape disease. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, I will only eat lamb. <laughs> Bring right. me lamb and wine. Bring me room temperature lamb. <laughs> I put room temperature lamb and just whatever type pipe tobacco you've got laying around. <laughs> Miraculously live till 2020. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought this movie was great. I've, I've, seen lots of things like parts of it but i'd never mm-hmm. seen anything quite like it exactly um my biggest criticism of the movie is the the like technical filmmaking parts because there's a lot of it where like the editing just wasn't there um the mm-hmm. sometimes the acting just wasn't there but other than that i gave this full marks everywhere so altogether this one comes out to a 4.3 out of 5 loathsome things from me excellent that's fantastic i uh i basically would say the same thing i mean it's it's we've we've watched enough um you know stuff from the 60s and different eras just just for the show alone you know we've become kind of familiar with the the things that date these movies and, you know, we've kind of, we understand, you know, when to be forgiving and when not to, you know, like, like certain things are going to just be a sign of their time. And then other things are just a sign of something being shitty. You know, this, this movie's not shitty at all. It's, it's for a movie that, you know, I mean, even though he says he sold his house and his car, he clearly didn't get much money for it. No, I don't think so. (laughs) Cause I mean, this, this movie, you know, the, the, the sound, quality is very bad um the you know the 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 technical quality of it is is relatively low but at the same time production values in brazilian cinema in 1964 had to be pretty low you know yeah they didn't have a bird like a big big film industry going they do now but they didn't then and uh you know it's incredibly inventive some of the stuff he does with the camera some of the tricks that he's obviously picked up from, you know, other things that he liked and wanted to try to do his version of them. He doesn't pull punches when it comes to special effects. There's, I mean, there's gore, there's extremely adult themes. Um, you know, I mean, he's playing around with Nietzsche for Christ's sake throughout the film. I mean, it's, it's, (laughs) you know, it's, it's way, way ahead of its time. And I mean, it, a, a, a similar version of that kind of story could come out right now and and still be considered transgressive. I mean, it's absolutely, you know, so, I mean, with all of those things in mind, you know, I, I'm going to give it, a, I gave it a 4.5. Very good. I loved it. It's 8.8. Math 8. is 8. hard. 8.8. <laughs> you said 4.3, right? 4.3. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. 8.8. That's really good. I think that might crack it into our top 10. Sweet. Yeah. Get not just a bunch of white dudes being up in there. <laughs> but a, a Spanish, Portuguese, Brazilian dude or whatever. It's really good. Yeah, this this movie's impressive. I, I it it makes me curious about uh what else like I haven't seen the other two yet, uh, but I definitely want to, and it makes me curious about what other kinds of stuff is coming out of Brazil that I've just never been exposed to. Right. Yeah. I mean there there is some interesting stuff. I mean they, uh, you know, they, they, 
they're still not really known for their horror movies, but um, they have made some. And there's there's a couple that came out in the last few years that I've been wanting to see that I haven't seen pop up anywhere yet. There's one about a group of people that go to a dinner and, you know, it's like a large cast. It's like an ensemble cast. And there's all kinds of crazy shit happens basically at the dinner. Like people are getting poisoned and killing each other and all this turns into some sort of mayhem situation, but it looks really good. It's kind of like a satire, social satire, I think. But even now, horror is not a is not a big, big thing as far as their their movies. There, they're really big on like dramas and soap operas and comedies and just the, the standard stuff. Um, yeah, you're starting that to get makes more sense. Into, yeah, starting to get more into like sci fi and fantasy and things like that. But it's it's more like budget, you know, like more low budget stuff. So, yeah. anyways, but this yeah, this movie is fucking amazing. It's funny, I uh, around the time that you suggested this, I'd been looking to see what kind of uh, horror movies have been coming out of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I bet they've got a lot of horror movies because of what's going on over there. And what I found was that actually, uh, no, apparently there's not a whole lot of interest in horror movies in Ukraine, probably because just living the day-to-day horrors there for the past decades has, has been intense. But there are a few horror directors in Ukraine, so we might see if we can pull one of those in some interesting yeah that'd yeah be interesting apparently there are way more movies that are like horror movies from like poland that yeah. are like set in ukraine where they're like oh, oh isn't really? it horrible over here <laughs> uh that there's the jared did you ever see the polish horror film called demon about the um the wedding yeah the wedding yeah that was, that was awesome that was really good yeah yeah Good there's stuff some there's, over there too. Yeah, there's some weird Eastern Bloc stuff. Like Turkey has an interesting uh, horror scene going on there, and uh, they put out some really weird stuff. Like really weird. Yes, <laughs> this is this is just so great. I had I had no idea about Coffin Joe. I'd heard you talk about him like mm-hmm. once or twice before, but I had no idea, and this just blew me away. I loved it. No, I'm so glad. I, it's it's something I'd want been want, meaning to get to, and I had kind of forgotten about you know adding him or or picking him, and then it just I don't, I think I saw as when we were trying to think of what to do next, I think I saw a picture of his or something, and I was like, oh shit, Coffin Joe. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a it was a great idea. I'm glad we did it. Um, I uh, let's see, I have a question for you, John. Okay. And also a question for our listeners. Yes. Okay. So after I watched this movie mm-hmm. um, and did the notes for it, I ended up randomly watching Little Miss Sunshine. <laughs> and I had a conversation with Melanie about uh, Greg Kinnear and about how he's always Greg Kinnear and everything he is. And having just watched it, I was like, oh, you know what? I also like we've got Nishi and Nishi's apparently in Little Miss Sunshine a whole lot. It's very strange. But it made me realize, hey, would Greg Kinnear make a good recast, like a, a good Coffin Joe, if we were making a Coffin Joe for an American audience, what if Greg Kinnear was a Coffin Joe? And I was like, no, that wouldn't be good. But it did inspire the question of, if you were going to cast a Coffin Joe for an American audience, who would you pick? So I, I want it to be like two actors that you would hope would try out so you could see how they would do it and pick from. Which pick from two, two actors would those be for you? Yeah, let's see. Well, the first one, I I, I think it would have to be Nicolas Cage. Yes. 
Because <laughs> he would be such a ridiculous coffin, Joe. And <laughs> He's already there. The big smiles. Yeah. And then the other one would be my, my like, my like Hail Mary long shot. The first name that popped into my head for some reason. I have no idea why. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, he would be great. I think he'd be, I think he would make an interesting coffin Joe. Yeah. That would be really good. He might be a little bit too impressive. I feel like part of the Coffin Joe thing is that he's not actually. Impressive. That's true. That's but, true. But I would love to see a Jeffrey Dean Morgan Coffin Joe. <laughs> that would be really good. Mine was also uh, Nick Cage. You know, he's the uh, easy money. Like it yeah. would work. It's just yeah. right there. But uh, I think the two more fun ones would be uh, Haley Joel Osment today. Yes. I want to see him in the outfit being really intimidating as Haley Joel Osment. Or, uh, and this one is from Melanie. Her recommendation is um, Daniel Radcliffe. I oh, think. he would be good. I think he would sell it. He would totally sell it. He would yeah. be really good in that role. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That would be. Yeah. At now and now I start thinking of all these other people. Will Defoe. Yes. Yeah. Will <laughs> Defoe would do so good. <laughs> and what, what's the guy's name that was in Empty Man? Stephen. Oh uh, God. The guy that plays the the like kind of like the minister for the weird culty church. Yeah, like Stephen Broom or something like that. Oh, Stephen Root, isn't it? Yeah, Stephen Root. Yep. Yeah. Good. Good pull. God, yeah, I yeah, man. fantastic. Someone, I'm surprised that hasn't actually happened yet. It's it's kind of weird if you think about it that somebody has. Well, I mean, know. he has very little recognition over here. Like, if I hadn't have known you, I would have never heard of this guy. Yeah, and his his stuff would be so probably people would think it was anachronistic if they didn't know where it was coming from. You know, yeah. So, so it's like, yeah, I guess there is that, but yeah, man, hopefully one day. Yeah, maybe maybe we can. You know, maybe bring a little bit more awareness. Uh, whenever I was Googling for him, there was lots of stuff on like bloody disgusting and places like that where they had written about him because he had just died. And that yeah. was, you know, like, oh, yeah, he's really important over there, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's a shame. I mean, a lot of the diehard horror people know about him, like the, you know, a lot of the T-shirt makers and some yes. of the uh, some of the illustrators that I follow and stuff are well aware of him. Um, because I mean, come on, the guy's a visual fucking gold mine. I mean, he, yeah. he just, he just oh, yeah. screams t merch. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That, uh, that, uh, like carnival float of him. That's yes. fucking awesome. Isn't that amazing? We're going <laughs> to have to put so that photo good. in there too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. He is a, a worthy franchise for American capitalism. Like, like 25, 30 foot tall coffin Joe carnival float with like huge gross claw nails uh beautiful. so good just it's just foaming at the mouth <laughs> foam just coming out of the corner pouring out <laughs> like his lips are made out of liver because they're <laughs> his lips are so quivery in the movie they're like Oh, man. And he really, yeah, whenever he goes in for the kiss, he's like really like hungered for it. It's so gross. <laughs> he's amazing. He is there. There, There is no holding back in that man. He's phenomenal. Uh, John, I believe you also had a question. For I do have a question and for our audience. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> I was I was thinking about, you know, we're always trying to think of, of 
you know, like things that would be good for the, you know, for the business or things that would be an interesting change or, you know, a, a new twist on something. And then it occurred to me that, you know, what about if you, if you had to select somebody to make a horror film and for some reason you had to pick the, um, the worst person ever to make a horror film, who would it be? And what, what would the movie be that they would make? So, I, I'm glad you gave me time to work with that because I think I came up with a really good one. Okay. So are you familiar with Kurt Schilling? <laughs> yes, the pitcher. Yes. <laughs> the racist the, pitcher. The politically active pitcher. Yes, the one that was like uh, excited to run for president in 2024 after Donald Trump's second term. Mr. Bloody Sock, right? Yes, Captain Bloody Sock. Uh, yes. Yep. I believe he would make the worst horror movie director, and I think his horror movie would be a a cross genre piece that's half horror movie, uh, like ha- specifically half zombie apocalypse movie and right. half inspiring based on true events sports movie. Yeah, and what it would be is it would be him taking his autobiography. And transposing it where it's like beat for beat his his story, but he's transposing it on a 13 year old African-American figure skater. And so it's her living out his life story, even like down to like she's performing at the Olympics and there's a cut and she's bleeding through her through her sock that is there. And. And part of the horror of it is that, you know, uh, the welfare state that she's had to overcome and and all of the just pulling herself up by the bootstraps. But also there's a zombie apocalypse happening and there's lots of relating that to cancel culture. You see, cancel culture is like the zombie apocalypse. And also it gets racism completely wrong all throughout the whole movie. And the movie doesn't present itself as horny for this 13 year old girl, but the movie itself you can tell is horny for this 13 year old girl. Nice. Yes. (laughs) Wow. And the movie is called a shilling for your apocalypse. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. <laughs> oh my god, it's so stupid. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Ooh. Oh wow, that's that's impressive. Yes. I I would so watch that. I would watch it so hard. (laughs) Oh, man. I didn't come up with anything even remotely that cool. I I spent all my creative energy on pondering that subject on who would be, you know, like, who would I want to make? Because at first I was like, you know, picking people that, that I was like, Ah, this guy would never be able to make a horror movie. And then I'm like, wait a minute, they're so horrible that they, of course, they would make a horror, good horror movie. Like it would have to be like somebody who would make a terrible horror movie. And so then, my my wife and I settled on Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk. Oh my god, Jeff Bezos would make the worst horror movie because <laughs> they're just so subhuman. They have like no concept of what people are. 
Yes. They're, they're just soulless, like soulless automatons who would just make these, the movie would be so bad. It would, it would, you know, it would be like some sort of amalgamation of, of, you know, like if you fed all the horror movies into some sort of you know, algorithm, you know, that it would, it would spit out this generic mishmash of all horror movies, none of which would be scary. Yes. <laughs> It would, it would be like all the scenes in the movie that lead up to something scary without anything scary happening. And like, you know, all the buildups to a, a, to a jump scare and then no jump scare. And yes. <laughs> it would just be, it would just be like the most frustrating movie. Yep. Like, uh, like how, um, uh, Banshee chapter, it was like directed by that venture capitalist guy that was just smushing together some, some horror movies, but he actually did put together a horror movie. It would be like that, but like all the way on the other side where like, oh yeah, I guess there's where we would put a special effect. That's what people <laughs> like, right? A special effect. All just very forced, The you know, really bad music that doesn't really appeal to anyone, doesn't 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 assist in any way it would just be just some sort of surreal nightmare have you read about how joe uh, joe jeff bezos does not understand music or why people like it oh is that right well there you go yeah he he uh like apparently in like college or whatever in order to like fit in with people when they were talking about music he went through found a list of all of the local radio stations and memorized their call signs so that he could reference that so like when people would start talking about the kind of music they liked he'd be like well how about wcbo oh i like that one how about those jams eh what the fuck yeah, like one time he was driving with people in his company and they were all upset because they were having to like drive across country to a meeting and he was being like a shit about everything and they were unhappy. So they went to a gas station and he went inside and just bought a random handful of whatever CDs they had <laughs> in the gas station because he knew that people liked music and he presented it to them as like a gift and here feel better. Oh my god, that's terrifying. <laughs> yes. So I think he is a great choice because not only would it be like the biggest budget movie ever, mm-hmm. but it would be a huge hot mess and like at least five people would die on set and it would have a great story. People would die. It would have the story would make no sense whatsoever. It would just be these beautiful set pieces that have no purpose whatsoever. A main character that no one identifies with. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He loves a woman. He loves her and there are ghosts. He likes sex. <laughs> so there's like, it opens on the scene when them in bed, like, like really awkwardly, like just kind of pawing at each other. Uh, uh. he's like i want to see more passion and there's just a third wave ska music playing and that's their make love music (laughs) people like celebratory music (laughs) so good worst worst film ever Yep. (laughs) I would not watch that one. I would not watch it either.
So, uh, dear, dear listener, uh, or as Jeff Bezos would say, customer, tell us which two actors you would like to be able to choose between for the role of Coffin Joe in the American adaptation of the Coffin Joe trilogy. And also tell us who you think would be the worst person ever to direct a horror movie and what horror movie they would direct. (laughs) Please, we want to hear from you. I do. Uh, you can tell us about that on Twitter and Instagram at LoathsomePod or at fa- on Facebook at LoathsomeThings. Or you can email us uh, by e- uh, sending an email to LoathsomeThings at gmail.com. I think if we get some good ones, we might have to read these on air for our next episode or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, so get those in. Get them in early because of how our recording schedule is, and I'll leave it at that. It's not a promise, it's a threat. Correct. <laughs> yes. Get those in now. If you get them in late, you might have to wait an extra two weeks to hear us read them on the err. Err. Uh, John, any other business before we departay? Mm, I can't think of anything. Do you have anything else? Uh, I guess go watch Brazilian horror movies. Oh yeah, and if you if you know of any that we don't haven't mentioned, which would be this one, yeah, <laughs> please share share that with us. Yes, give us one really good Brazilian horror movie recommendation, and we will almost sometimesly watch it. <laughs> almost, hopefully, find it somewhere online and watch it. Yes. All right, y'all have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.